Hello and welcome to the DC United Kingdom podcast. We are live here on YouTube. Um, hopefully you are joining in. If not, and you are listening to our, this on your podcast, well, thank you for tuning in. I'm here with James Lambert, who is to this side of me. I've actually got it right first time. Um, James, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, dealing with the he heat here in DC and obviously the results of the, the last couple of weeks. <laughs> Um, but overall, you know, we're doing well. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a strange time. I know, obviously, apart from the COVID, I mean, that's just become kind of normal now. But yeah. this tournament, we're obviously out now. Um, we've had a chance to sleep on it. I'm still feeling a bit sore over it. How are you feeling over it? Uh, I'm I'm the same way. I don't think it has gotten better with distance. Uh, I've picked myself up and watched a few other matches since then. I know that the timing is tough for you, so I don't know how much of the other matches you've been able to watch in the tournament, but I think the contrast between United's performance and also, frankly, like lack of fight, mm. uh, when that's the one thing we've been able to claim for this team for a long time, um, has been very disappointing uh, when, in, when contrast with a lot of other teams out there. Yeah, and that was the thing that I was just desperate for the guys to do when I was watching it. Um, was it yesterday? I've lost track of time now. Two days ago. Tuesday. Is it two days? It doesn't. Oh, I know. It's it been a long two days. Yeah. Um, and that's what I was just really, really wanting to see was that fight. And and I wouldn't mind if if we got beat, as long as we showed that bit of fight and we just didn't see. It. I don't know whether it was because of the heat and obviously they're going to be drained because I think they played. Was it three games in nine days, I think it was, in the end? Sure. So, they're, mentally, they're going to be a bit tired, but... It's... Oh, it was I, just massively frustrating. Yes. It was... It, the, the player usage was massively frustrating. The overall approach was frustrating. Um, it was like watching the worst of DC United on the road for the last, you know, decade... Um, yeah. where we go in with an almost give up mindset and, you know, if we could steal it one nil, great, but otherwise we were just going to, you know, try to cancel the game. And, um, it, it's, it's tough football to watch. Um, very tough football to watch. I, yeah. because we, you know, these games have been on national TV and you know, I've had friends that are kind of casual, at least casual followers of MLS text me during matches. Um, and like, are they, are they usually so bad? Because <laughs> um, they're watching, <laughs> trying it out. And I mean, unfortunately, it's a terrible advertisement for the club in wanting to bring people in. Is you know, these are people that live here in DC and want to you know check it out, and and they're seeing some really negative football, and um, it's sad to see. No, absolutely. And, and you just think, you look across the whole tournament. It has been a bit of a strange tournament because sure. you've had Orlando winning. And that, that never happens. And then you've had Cincinnati beating the Red Bulls. That was awesome. It, it, and I'm thrilled about that. <laughs> but frankly, going into this season, I mean, if you ask me, I thought, Atlanta, you know, for example, Atlanta and the Red Bulls were going to have very tough seasons. Mm. Um, you know, Atlanta, after, obviously, after um, Joseph goes down, you know, he's their talismanic player. And, and they don't have any confidence in Frank DeBoer. You can see it when they play. They they. They don't know what to do. And, and the Red Bulls have not made any moves. Um, they've gotten weaker talent-wise. And 
I mean, I like Chris Armas, but he's weaker coast than Jesse Marsh. And they were kind of also set up to struggle to, to a certain extent. And I'm afraid, yes, I don't like the tactics and I don't like not seeing a lot of the fight, but this team was also woefully um, thin. And in a tournament like this, it, it shows up. It shows up quickly. And we didn't even yeah. use the talented players we have in any great in any great number. And so Yeah. And you you look at the fact that we were going into this tournament without Paul Ariola, but we didn't really have much of a replacement. I mean granted Gressel was re- was the direct replacement, um but I think we signed him primarily to play either at wing back or right back. And realistically you've got Segura up there who had a good few minutes. That was about it, and I, would, I think our roster when we go into the tournament, we only had twenty-three players, and then two strikers. Right, Sorga and Kamara. Kamara gets injured, and yep. the, the setup of the tournament is not good. Right, like we 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 went from a very good schedule to a very bad schedule quickly because of the teams being eliminated. We had our first match move twice. So far, second match was on, what, four days rest, and New England had seven. Yep. That's going to be a bad situation, but it's exacerbated by being thin. And while we, quote, use the subs, I think we saw the same issue with Ben, where you know, before the tournament, he's talking about using the young players, and really only Paredes got real minutes. Yeah. And it's frustrating to me in a tournament where you need bodies and you need legs, and if nothing else, you can get the young players some run and see what's what they've got um, that we're not seeing Moses Damon and we're not seeing Yao for 60, 70 minutes at least. Like what, yeah. what is the, we know what I always say, we know what we're going to get from Segura. All right. He is a yeah. spot starter. And when we use him in not that way and we're unwilling to take a chance on youth, like again, most of the successful teams have done in this tournament. Um, it's just a, you know, another another indictment of, of the, the process here at our club. Yeah, I mean, for me, it it looked like we weren't willing to experiment at all. And I know these group games are going towards the season standings, but it felt like this was the time to give things a go and change it up, be a bit different. <laughs> And, yeah, and, and, and then frankly, are we going to have the rest of the season? I mean, they claim, but I, I think there's a decent chance that this is the, you know, the, all the MLS will see this year. Um, and I didn't look like that was taken into consideration in terms of like, hey, let's just lay it out there and, and go all out. But it all it comes back to me with, you know, team lack of team structure and lack of system. Yeah. When you lose players and players get injured, it is easier to bring in young players for their debuts or for like early play when they know their defined role, when you're not tinkering around all the time, when they know exactly how they're supposed to play because they've trained that way for years. And we don't have that. Therefore, plugging in young players is harder and we don't put them in positions to succeed. And it just, it's just ugly. Um, We expect the players to figure it out for themselves. Uh, and we don't have 
Wayne Rooney caliber players who are capable of figuring it out for themselves. Um, I'm sure he likes, you know, lack of managerial <laughs> intervention. I think he said so. But when you're dealing with your average MLS starter, it handicaps them. It really does. It's a difficult one to try and find some kind of positive from this whole tournament for us. But there has been one, and that has been Kevin Paredes. Because whenever he's come on, he's brought this energy to the side where he's willing to chase that ball down. He gets the ball, he's willing to attack. And it was great to see how after the first match, I had a few messages come through on Twitter just saying how good he was. And this is coming from from people who aren't DC United fans. That's That's my one. It's not many. But that's my positive from this uh, whole tournament. That I agree. Freddie's looked very good because for me, yeah. it's more. It's more than just. I mean, yes, he, I think he was the only guy, especially the last match at the end, looked like he was showing fight. Mm. But more than fight, he was getting in good positions, yeah. right? Yes, the timing didn't always come off. Yes, he like he had the best chance in the in the Montreal match, and it was you know there was a keeper made a very good stop on on his shot, but he was continually turning up in good positions. Uh, and not the same positions, which was even more interesting to me. Sometimes he'd turn up in the center. Sometimes he'd get out wide. Um, his movement was very strong. And yeah. at his age, you know, that's the kind of the first step. Um, a final product, it always will take a while. Um, but when you're starting to show that you can connect um, and turn up in good positions, uh, it bodes well for the for the future for him. Yeah. I know, absolutely. And oh, I do wish we saw, as you said earlier, Nyman and Griffin Yao get those times because I think Yao only got his time in that game against Montreal. And it was too little too late. I think it was, what was it, 10 minutes maximum? Yeah. I mean, uh, when, you, when you see how, again, how other teams have handled subs and have used the chance to kind of bring on four players at the 60 minute mark. And yeah. completely change um, the tenor of the match. I mean, obviously, Iguain coming off the bench was very impactful for us. Yeah, um, that's great to see. I'm like, he is a he's kind of a Dave Casper special, right? Like, it's it's <laughs> picking it off off where nobody else kind of saw it and getting yeah. some benefit out. That's excellent, but it's kind of not a substitute for what we struggle with, which is getting your best players into situations where they succeed. Yeah. Um, we we saw very little from Gressel and very little from Flores in this tournament. And I again, we were not, we don't have an idea of how to, you know, put them in the dangerous positions, put them where they're most dangerous. Um, we're making, we're making them figure it out themselves, unfortunately. And it looks bad. Um, Flores, we you know we signed this guy out of Mexico to run at defenders. I mean that's that was that's his skill, and we're not getting him out. I, mean, I don't care where he starts the match. I don't care if he starts the either the center on the team sheet. We're not getting him in any situations where he's getting isolated on one defender, especially out wide. And yeah. without doing that, we're just wasting the money we spend on that player. <laughs> Um, by expecting him to you know, figure out other ways to help us. Yeah, it's there's got to be 
some change for me in both the formation and the style of play that we're currently playing. Um, it just seems that Benz has gotten used to a particular style. And you look at the best managers, they always have a tactic of like two or three and they're willing to adapt depending on the situation. And you look, there was the FA Cup semi-final recently, uh, Man United-Chelsea. And traditionally, they'll both play with four at the back. But because of their respect for each other, they decided to change... And they both, weirdly, went with the same formation of 3-4-3. And granted, Man United didn't exactly play their best, but you look at Chelsea, and they, they played outstanding. And that is the kind of thing that you want to see from a manager to be able to switch it up and have that knowledge passed over to the players to know actually we can do this we're not just going to go in and just randomly go day before, like 10 minutes before kickoff actually we're going to play 3-4-3 three, three. Um, I know we've not played it before but this is what we're going to do and we need or, to have that or, or, or ability or, or I'm going to argue the other side we're either going to have the ability to be very flexible and a manager mm. that is tactically versed enough to really you know move players around match to match or like i think this is many mls teams have gone is you commit to a system and you bring in players only to fit that system and you develop players to fit that system so yes you want the quote best players but the talent gap in mls is never going to be so large that one team can't beat another team on the day right we've seen that again and again and again coaching and scouting are a humongous advantage. We don't make use of it. I, we brought up Orlando earlier. You know, Oscar Preha apparently in three months has made them look better than they've ever looked. Yeah. Um, just by being what we know him to be, which is a very competent manager, right? He's not a global superstar. He's a very competent manager that's had success in multiple stops in MLS. And he's come in and made them immediately better. Um, it's it's you know it's it's frustrating to see us stuck in the same gear when um, when there's <laughs> plenty of examples of, of how to do it better. No, absolutely. Um, just for those who are watching live on YouTube, if you've got any thoughts about this, what we're talking about, drop them in the chat. Um, we'll go through. It. And if you've got any questions, let us know, and we will answer them live on air. Um, obviously, we believe that we. We know better. We're armchair analysts, shall we say? Sure. Um, We've both got a mutual love of a particular simulation game. We do. We do. We've talked quite a lot about it over the uh, over this year. It is Football Manager, Um, and to be honest, this game is one of the reasons why I support DC United um, and have the love for them. I know you've moved on to VRL. Uh, I have in my, yeah. in my current save. Um, I'm still I'm still at DC United. Um, granted, I've not actually loaded it up for a little while, um, but we've both had success on that game. Um, the game itself is known to be one of the most realistic games available. You get teams um, using it as a proper scouting system over here in the UK. Um, it's well ingrained over here. <laughs> What formation were you using when you were using when you were playing as DC United? 
Um, I, I was I was using the the fourth uh, four two three one. Um, I had gone to more of a gig and press system. Mm. The, the the game is interesting because I, I do think it's incredibly realistic in a lot of ways. And as with any simulation, I think there's a lot you can actually gain in the real world, um, and things you can't. But with MLS, especially because of the complex rules, starting to learn how to manage the cap and some of um, the nuances there does allow you to kind of sandbox some of your pet theories about how to run, a, run an MLS franchise, which is, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and I had, I had mentioned earlier, like, I think one of the things that football manager has shown me is that yes, like there is no salary cap on front office. So spend about as much as you can yes. on scouts and trainers and build that part of your organization up huge because it will you can't be wrong on a signing in mls you can't just miss and it beat chelsea or Real madrid or just splash <laughs> out another big signing you, ha- yeah. you have to get them right the big yeah. ones and and no one's going to put a salary cap on scouts so have the biggest scouting network you can and i, I think the majority of clubs don't do that Mm. Um, for operating budget reasons, but I think that they're, I think they're selling themselves short. I think a scouting organization pays for itself very, very quickly. Absolutely. You can find some absolute hidden gems. And on mine, I switch between a 442, um, mm. but I still go with the Gag and Press, um, like you do, yeah. and a 433, but with a uh, DM and two central midfielders. And I've know about one of the players already before I started this DC United saves, um, and I was amazed I actually met, signed him, which was Caio George uh, from Brazil, and that was just something else. But eventually he goes because he's a heck of a player. Then I replaced him because my scouts found a player called Gabriel Moraes, who was just as good, and I'd never even heard of him. So you're right build your scouting network and you will find the right players i've got i think i think i've got 11 first team coaches now and this is like it's a it's a coach per every every other player at the moment it's just and that's where you really do see the difference because those players their potential they reach that much faster and it just becomes a lot easier so and again, I think that's I think that's a applicable to real life. Is that yeah. you do see um, some of the successful clubs like uh, NYCFC has been able to obviously tap into the City Football Group, right? Yeah. Red Bull has tapped into the Red Bull Global Football Group scouting networks. They benefit now not building in their own club, but they have value added from there. Seattle probably has the most advanced analytics department. Right, that has yep. turned out well for them. I, you, you, if you are not, <laughs> again, the the game doesn't point out definite solutions, but it does point out like, hey, where's all here's all these check boxes? Have you hit these all? Have you hit sports science? Have you hit like? Yeah. You, and if you look at your your organization in real life and you realize you're not very strong or superior to. 80% of the organ other organizations in the league in those, then you're not trying to win. 
frankly. I mean, you're, you're yeah. not like really trying to be the best. Um, you're trying to see how you can get by and make the most profit with the least outlet. And those are two different things. Um, we've always yeah. known that to be true in sports. And, and uh, you know, that, that's what I think I've, I've you know, learned most from the game is all these other ancillary departments and, and how key they are to whatever, whatever formation you happen to lay out. Um, you know, you need that whole organization supporting. Yeah, it's, oh, but let's move on. Let's, let's have a little chat about the games themselves. So as I said, before we came live on, on air, um, I'm going to show some stats on the screen. So, (laughs) Give me two seconds whilst I bring that up. So, first up will be the. Da, 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 if I can actually eventually find it, there we go. So let's just transition into that nicely. There we go. So we've got the Toronto game, and I can't see from where I'm sat, so I'm going to move yeah. a little bit closer. So sorry on the screen, you're going to see me just zoom in quite a bit. Right. So the Toronto game. So. It was just absolutely crazy. You've got 17 shots to 8 shots for DC United versus Toronto. That's just that's just crazy, the fact that Toronto had far too many attempts on goal. Um, and the fact that they had 7 attempts on target, which is almost as many as we had overall, is <laughs> just a bit wrong. Um, what else we had? Corners-wise, we actually beat them on corners, 5-4. to four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, crosses, Clearly, we scored on one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> crosses wise, we had nineteen crosses to their twelve, and again, it's it's how we do it. Um, the fouls wise, we committed the same amount of fouls. So I'm going to talk about that in a moment because uh, we obviously we had two yellow cards, and then we had the sending off of uh, Junior Moreno. Possession wise, though. 66 versus 34. That's that's the key bit there for me, is the fact that we had so little possession in that game. Um, we just couldn't control anything. And the fact that we managed to come out with a 2-2 draw, that was the game where we showed the passion and we showed the fight. And we got some luck. I mean, we, yeah. you know, to Toronto's, both their centre-backs got injured. And now we took advantage, but like yeah. both the goals came from, especially the first one came from errors from the center back replacements. Yeah. Um, and they struggled in the last 30 minutes um, after um, Gonzalez and it wasn't Mavinga kind of, you know, came off. Yeah. Um, and it, to me, it looked, it looked very much like the playoff game last year. Uh, except without extra time where we got killed. <laughs> yeah, like it, it looked like we were outplayed in every facet and we stole yep. it at the death. And if, you know, you would have played another 30 minutes, we, we could have seen maybe the, the, the same result again. But, um, you know, we had come out and we were not, we weren't looking to play again. They only played after, you know, in the second half when they were down. Yeah. Um, it was great to see we, you know, Iguain and show, you know, show that magic. Uh, but frankly, that's not the guy that has to be teaching everybody about fire. Yeah. <laughs> He's a great, great player, great player in MLS. Yeah, um, great personality. 
but we. You know, it, it just it continually frustrates frustrates me. It look, it looks like again the worst have been on the road, where he yep. knows we're going to be in a tough situation, so it's go into a shell. The situation is not well. What are we finding advantages? You know what? We'll fight, and if we lose, we lose. But we're we're going to go out and play and do our best. No, we're gonna we're gonna negate the game, and that was the approach throughout the tournament, but certainly in this first match um, where they did not look ready uh, mm. in those first 45 minutes. Yeah. It's, it was a tricky one. Um, Junior Moreno got sent off for those two bookings. Three bookings? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then should Felipe have been sent off? I mean, I'm going to say yes. I, I think I think Moreno got three yellows. I think he should have been sent off earlier in the first half. Or if if I was a Toronto supporter, I certainly <laughs> would have been. I mean, I thought he was gone when, when when that second tackle went in, and I would have been screaming about it if I was on the yeah. other side. And yes, I think Felipe probably twice other times for this tournament should should have been sent off. I think he would benefited from the referees were loath to send players off. Um, because they realized it was a tournament format and, and yeah. you know, how much was at stake. And, um, yeah, it was a bad tackle. <laughs> it really was. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised VAR didn't get involved in it. Yeah. Was... I, I think, at least when I saw the, the post-match on it, I think it's a little bit that VAR is going to judge that basically the referee saw it, right? Yeah. He awarded the card. Um, it's, it's, in the end, it's a judgment call. That like if the referee saw it and didn't make the call, VAR is really trying to you know aim for those errors where the referee doesn't see something. Yeah. Um, in this case, he just made that decision. Um, I mean, I think it probably was an incorrect one, but uh, yeah, we were lucky. We were lucky not to be down to nine at that point and and have everything over. Um, you know, again, nice seeing the fight for part of the match. But it doesn't. I, it doesn't. It doesn't compensate for lack of game planning. <laughs> no. And, it's it's one of these things where it was the opening game. It was initially delayed. Then we got to Sunday, and so like fifteen twenty minutes before kickoff, it gets postponed yeah. again. Now for me, that should have been enough to instill that fight from kickoff, because. Well, you would must be absolutely livid at saw, the other team. We saw a post match. I mean, there was an altercation yeah. post match. Yeah. Right. And because it was clear that United was really, you know, pissed off at Toronto for what they felt was not respecting them and not showing up, you know, and waiting for the game to be canceled. But yeah, yeah that didn't show up until until late in the match. Um, I just <laughs> this was the, I saw it all three matches, but yep. one of the things I'm going to say that I think this is a, this is a dual problem for United. One is the actual on the field results, but yep. also in those of us that aren't hardcore, trying to like grow the product, bring more yep. people, and make it entertaining. If you listen to tactical breakdowns, I don't know if you listen to almost assist. Um, uh, the, the you know the guys that just kind of started up earning in the total shock show umbrella. Um, okay, and they're great. You know, they go to great like specifics on tactics, 
post-match tactical breakdowns. Mm. Those type of people that deal with really want to talk about the ins and outs of the game don't bother to talk about DC United. They hate DC United because yeah. DC United doesn't give them anything to talk about. That's a problem, points out problem A, which is we don't have a well-drilled plan about how we want to attack and the other team and defend the other, you know, the other team A. And B, it turns off people. People want that discussion. They want to hear about their team in the press. They want that yeah. sort of buzz. And we don't get discussed by almost anybody following the game nationally because we're too boring and we don't give them anything to to engage with. And this... Yeah, it's real tough when you get to like the final two minutes of a, of a podcast based on all MLS, and they're like, "Yeah, well, you know, DC United, like they're gritty, which is a, another word for not having any idea about how to play." And that's yeah. the beginning and end of it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That, that 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 sums it up quite nicely. It's we were lucky the fact that we had Wayne Rooney, sure. and that gave the gave everyone something to talk about the club. Because you're right. It, if we didn't have Wayne Rooney in those eighteen months that we had him, what would what would we be talking about? Lucho Costa maybe having a little bit of a strop every now and again. What well, you at least need a project. Yeah, I, I think you know um, what we're seeing in a city like Colorado now. Right, this is a club that is has straight up bad ownership. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's that's nice. a bad owner. And they spend very little money on their overall organization. But whatever they're doing now creates a little bit of buzz because they have a real project yeah. that seems to be putting things in place to get better. And that's something for as exciting as the second half of 2018 was, and it was awesome. You know, it was very, yeah. that, that was we something. don't have that feeling of progress. If you look at our results, it has been straight up and down every other year since Ben took over. And we don't feel like we're progressing to anything. And I get that there were extenuating circumstances for a long time, but now this is a good job. And this is, you have, you could have the tools here to win. And it doesn't feel like we're moving forward at all. And that saps excitement. Yeah. Right. Should we move on to the New England game? Yeah, please. <laughs> let's, let's do it. Right. So the New England game, this was classed as a home tie for us. I don't know how they've decided to work this out, but there we go. Maybe it's which scoreboard the uh, supporters were on in, in, at the stadium when they showed us. <laughs> Whether it was the central one or the, I don't know. <laughs> that, that's another one to talk on later is the virtual scoreboards and the the fact that over in the stage you had the Adidas logo in the center circle. That was just bizarre. Um, but stats-wise for the New England game, we were pretty much outplayed in every important department. Um, shots shots on target, shots off target, even blocked shots, corners, crosses. The things that we won were fouls, yellow cards. Uh, it's It doesn't make pretty read, and the possession stats-wise was quite close. It was 51-49. But, again, 
outplayed. And we were, again, we were very, very lucky with with our equaliser in that match. Sure, the equaliser again, yeah, it's from an error. It's from yeah. an unforced error, I think is maybe the right way to put it. Yeah. Um, there's always errors that are forced, you know, from pressure, but the, this wasn't. And this match, we, I hate to say it's the quote, best match for me. I think we were in the toughest situation with the rest difference. Yeah. Um, and there were very few chances either way in this one. You know, we didn't give up a lot of good looks to New England. It's not like we were living as dangerously as we were in the Toronto match. Yeah. Um, but we also didn't still create anything going forward. And we, you know, we lucked a result again. Um, this is where I think we just say, look at the stats and we talk about the rest difference. It, it became most concerning to me that we didn't see more usage of the roster, especially introducing young players. We yeah. knew we got handed a tough situation with the short turnaround, yet we decided not to try to play fresh bodies. Um, it, that's worrying. I mean, it's it's very worrying in, in a situation like that not to use the talent you have to try to be able to play um, in that situation. Um, and it yeah. showed. And you had, I think the main big change was the fact that Saga was made his first start for the club. Because I think Kamara picked up a quad injury. And and unfortunately for Saga, he did look out of sorts up, out there. Um, and I don't know whether that's because it was such a short turnaround. And the fact that it was very last minute. He just didn't look like he knew what role he was meant to play. I agree. And Wayne Saga's a... From what I have seen of him, he appears to be I mean, a target man, yeah. partly poacher, you know, also like you need to get the man service. Yeah. He's a um, he's a proper striker. Yeah. And, and if you're not if you're not playing you know, getting players like that service, they're going to struggle. Yeah. Um we've seen the same kind of discussions with you know Adam John in, in Atlanta about like, you know, of course he's not Joseph Martinez, but he's a player that can do a job, yeah. but you gotta get him the ball in the right situations, <laughs> and and that wasn't happening uh, with Sorga. Uh, one other change we saw is with Moreno going out, where we had Canals moved into the center again, yeah, after his traditional role, and um, we saw both was it both Fisher and Adoyatsen at different parts of the match. Yes, we did. I think Fisher started, started and yeah. then uh, Adoyatsen came on later in the game. For me, both quite impressive. I agree. I think those were also pluses. Um, yeah. You know, Chris coming on in the both in the second and third match. I thought he played well yeah. in both matches. Um, it was great to see him. Very quiet, but great guy. I think he's one of the really a true, you know, true nice guys on the <laughs> on the roster that you know come through your city every once in a while. And so to see him come back from cancer and really get back to like a, what appears to be a. Um, Comp, you know, competent standard, you yeah. know, an MLS standard, um, was, was great to see uh, here, and it was a, it was great to have Fisher back and, yes. and 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 by playing and realizing that like, yeah, he's not like, he's not one of the best right backs in MLS, but he's certainly better than playing Paul Ariel or Russell Canals there and yeah. taking them away from other parts of the field. So, no, you know, that absolutely. made me happy. Yeah, and I forgot how quick Chris was. Yeah. He's got some pace on him. Yeah, he had a couple uh, recovery runs. 
Yeah. Um, and there was one I was fairly late in the match where I think I can't remember who he was tracking down, but he made a very long recovery run and you know came through with a tackle. Um, yeah. Which was which was nice. Yeah, and there was one bit that that stuck out sticks in my head was there was I can't remember who it was, but they played the ball down the right, and it just looked like that's gone out for a goal kick. But the speed he got on it, and he whips in a great cross as well. It's just, I'm really looking forward to seeing him playing more and more matches. Um, it's a it's good competition to have a right back between Fisher and and Chris. It's I'm I'm over the moon the fact that we've got those two there because I think we shouldn't struggle now. Fingers you know, crossed. It, yeah, and but do you ask me? He can play a wing back role too. I think yeah. both of them probably can. Um, if we decided to go with a different look versus the four back, yeah. um, you know, they've all, you know, Fisher has always been exposed defensively. I mean, that was before he got injured in 2018, he was both playing above himself, but also at times being responsible for every goal we were giving up, um, in, in, in one way or another. And, and he, he, that's, that's the risk of having these players in the four back is, is, yeah. you know, you, you're a lot more vulnerable when they, um, you know, when they make an error. But yeah. yeah, I think those were this that was probably a small bright spot in this match. We've seen both of them play well. Yeah, definitely. Um and obviously as we've already mentioned, Pippa Higuain scores again. And what I'd liked liked about that goal was he, how quick he was to react to that misplaced pass back to the keeper. And the composure that he had to take it just to the side and then slot it in I think I think he's left footed naturally, yes, isn't he? he? Yeah, with his yeah, and he does hit it to this right. Yeah. So uh, that, well, that was also a, maybe the overall bright spot of this, this this tournament, other than like Schadenfreude of the Red Bulls, is is Schadenfreude of, of having Columbus supporters have to watch people in another jersey um, oh. <laughs> playing well yeah. and getting goals because they love that guy for for good reason, and and oh, it yeah. must just really stick in their craw as well as, well as they've played um, to still see him. Uh, you know, ending his career somewhere else. Yeah, it's it's. I'm amazed how we've been able to get him, and not just in a player role, but in a player coach role as well. I think that that's a good sign to have his experience, his knowledge of the game, and to be able to pass that down onto the youngsters like Griffin, yeah, like Kevin Paredes and Moses Nyman, and and hopefully um, next month have his brother. Oh, <laughs> oh. I mean. But, Needing a striker. Uh, that uh, would be the Higuain's. Oh. <laughs> oh, how old is his brother now? 30, 31, he's two 32? Years, that young? I, I thought he was, he's two. People's what, 35? He, yeah, he's 35. I'm, I'm just going to have a quick Google. Yeah, let's have a quick Google. Uh, 33, maybe? 32? Gonzalo Higuain is. He's thirty-two, is it? Uh, no. He's thirty-three in December this year. Okay, okay. So I mean, still, still at the MLS level, is you know, yeah, couple couple years in the legs probably for a player like that. Yeah. What what made made me feel old there was the fact that he I'm only four months younger than him. I'll be forty-one on Monday, f- man. I'm like I'm I'm now reached the point where all the players are younger than me, so <laughs> it's um. You know, maybe some goalkeeper. I think Christian Gomez just retired at forty six or something. You know, or DC United legend. But otherwise, oh, yeah. yeah, it's right. I'm past it. My my dreams of my career are dead. 
Right. The next game. Um, the game that I woke up at 2.30 in the morning for. <laughs> the Montreal Impact game. Now, I was hoping for a bit more, considering this, in my eyes, was a must-win game. Draw would have been fine. Probably gets us through, yeah. Probably gets us through, but it's not guaranteed. Yeah. And a win would have guaranteed us advancement into the knockout stages. And a win by two clear goals would have topped the group. It's not difficult. It's not rocket science. It's simple, and it's on a plate. Because Montreal have been awful. And Thierry Henry generally hasn't done well so far as a coach. His Monaco record was pretty poor, to say the least. Uh, granted, he inherited a squad that was just all over the place, but he still didn't do anything there, and he hasn't had the best of starts at the impact. Well, and he, but, and he takes it, he takes a risk here, right? He's been playing through yeah. Concacaf Champions League in the beginning with a with a five back, um, yeah. three back, five back. Uh, you know, yeah. but. Specific five, they're playing deep. The wing backs sit very deep, um, and yeah. how he's been playing so far. And he goes to a four back in this game, um, yep. frankly, because he thinks you know probably doesn't pose any threat. Um, so, so yeah, and you know it, it it proves to be so. But you know he he wants to get in a situation where he's getting some of his attacking players a little higher on the field, uh, specifically yep. tight air, um, and. You know, do that kind of half space behind the defensive midfielder, and it, it works. I mean, to, you know, to 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 a certain extent, um, they don't look comfortable defensively at all moments in that in that four back. But we don't really ask very many questions of them, no. um, especially not until the final fifteen twenty minutes. Um, Even then, that wasn't really that many questions being asked. Yeah. Well, at that point, they're like they're already up. They can de- they yeah. can defend with you know with everybody. We we come out and we press for the first ten minutes. Yeah. Was it about the first it, ten minutes? I've, first five minutes because I remember tweeting about yeah. the best opening five minutes of the tournament so far for the club. And then the next five minutes, it went downhill. Yeah, and then but it was very clear it was a setup of we're going to try to press out of the gate. We're going to yeah. try to nick goal maybe create an error early on, and then we don't have the legs for it, so we're going to pull back. Um, but they didn't just pull back to a mid-block. Or, <laughs> they pulled back to the top of their 18. Yeah. Um, and for the next, you know, last especially 30 minutes of the half, they're, Montreal is just passing the ball around the top of the 18 and yeah. taking cracks when they can. One of them obviously turns into a, you know, a deflected goal, but um, I mean, we sat way deep oh. uh, it was I think there was um, oh is it Shep Manning Shep who Messing, was yeah. yeah Shep Messing was doing the colour on the, the national and I think there was because we had that that commentary over here in the UK and there was a comment where he was just saying we've got eight players behind the ball in the first half it's like yeah it's it, it's 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 baffling. It's baffling, especially when you don't. The way they were set up is not set up to counter, right? Like, I get there are ways when you feel you're at a talent deficit. You have injuries, right? We have Flores yeah. is out. 
you know, Kamara is not able to start, you feel you're at a talent deficit, but we still weren't set up to counter. Right? And and counter will you to sit so deep you have to counter quickly and you have to counter with numbers. That's the only way it makes sense um, in that situation. And we we never showed that either. Um, yeah, it's. I, I mean, yeah. I, I don't. You know, I, I don't know where to go with it. Um, you know, oh. I'm, just, I'm I'm not sure why. Again, you don't have some of the younger players in there to be able to show some of that speed because you know both Brady's and yeah they're you know yeah they've got some speed and 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 we're just you know we're not putting the players in the position to actually attack even when they get the chance um oh man <laughs> let's let's start off by looking at at the lineup so let's get it up on my phone so our lineup Classic um, backline, Hamid in goal, Mora, Birnbaum, Briant, and Chris Aduriachsem started this game. Then you've got Knaus and Moreno as your DMs. You've got uh, Gressel and Assad on the wings. Not going to complain too much about that, that's absolutely fine. You've then got Felipe, who's traditionally a DM in the attacking mid-roll. That's unusual. But, again, I thought he sometimes likes to get forward. He could possibly do something. He might nick a long shot or something like that. But the strangest inclusion in this lineup is a guru up top. And who was, I thought, a bit strange. Having him. That, I mean, we've seen him do that before. Right? I mean, did. like, Ben has started him in, in, the, in the nine slot. Um he, he did it last year against the Impact. Exactly right. the same. Yeah. And it's just... Segura, when we signed him, and I was watching um, the guys over at the Tried and True podcast, the post-game show, he was initially signed as a, as a central midfielder. He's then moved out onto the wing. And he, he can do an okay job out there. He hustles. But he's not a striker. He had that opportunity in the first half where... He moved into a fantastic position, looked to attack the near post, but held his run back. The ball was played back to him, and then he just skies it. Sky. So, a, a normal striker would have at least hit the target. Or you'd like to think they would have hit the target on that one. It was just... It was frustrating. And you could tell we were playing with six midfielders on the pitch and zero strikers because there was nothing up top when the ball was getting out to the wing there was just nothing there um and you look again you look at the stats on the game we had eight i think i'm just gonna have a... i'm trying yeah, i'm trying to find the heat map too on yeah it was 18 crosses we had 18 crosses into the box surely one of those must have hit a striker, you would have thought. We've had twelve attempts to Montreal seven, but it's more. Yeah. I mean, it's more than it's. It's not the. They were, you know, what I call this year LA Galaxy crosses. Like they're not crosses with purpose. They're mm. crosses against a set defense. Yeah. Um, 
who's already like you're not they're not an early hit crop. But frankly, what Julian Gressel was brought in to do, right? Yeah. How did how did he make his living in Atlanta? He had, yeah. he he made his living on the run, hitting early crosses behind the back line. You know, we didn't see any of those. Gressel, I believe, went out in the fifty. 50 the 50 and 50, 51st minute, yeah, yeah. early. <laughs> yeah. Um, that frustrated the heck out of me when he went off at that early in the second half because I thought, we've just wasted one of our stoppages. Right. I mean, that, that's, a, that's just a great example. If, if you see, if you are looking at a team that's going to struggle, struggle to score in the, in the tactical sense, on a restart, he's going to be one of your dangerous players, right? Yeah. He can send in a... A nice ball, and we pulled him off. Flores is already not playing. Yeah. Um, you know, we're we're putting ourselves, you know, behind the eight ball again. I, I'm just the substitution pattern that always confuses me. But again, I just didn't see a plan from them to say when this ball turns over, this is how we're going to go, and you know, quickly try to put pressure on on the impact. They just didn't do it. Um. it. And it was just, it was the story of the tournament, wasn't it? It was just like, there was nothing to unsettle any defences. There was nothing, there was no flair. There was, there was no control in that midfield. The back line looked a little bit ropey, which is unusual for us. I thought, despite Briant scoring that was the only thing he did well in this tournament I hate to say because I do like um, Fred quite a lot but well, he didn't have a good tournament no and, and I like Fred too and Fred frankly had an amazing 2019 yeah that, he outperformed I think I'll go back to like you know the football manager if you are looking at your roster and you see a Fred Briand having a great year at 33 he was 33 last year. You move for another defender immediately. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> in the next year, because there is no way that him and Birdbaum repeat what they were able to do in 2019 together. Yeah, at another year old, it's the ch- the chances are so low of that repeating itself. Yeah, and we weren't able to get any moves done. And acting like, eh, well, maybe we'll figure it out later. You know, maybe we can skate. I mean, that's the other side of kind of the the Dave Casper specials is he gets a year or two out of got players that you're like, man, that was really a steal, and yeah. then we keep them a year too long, yeah, <laughs> and they fall yeah. off the cliff. And you know, we could be seeing that here with Fred Briant. I mean, the way he played in this tournament, um, he struggled. I mean, he struggled in many many facets of the game. Um, you look at. In that in that game against the impact, uh, just before that goal, he almost he, knocks it in. Yeah, yeah, right, he right almost before that, hacks it into his own net, and then off that resulting corner, the ball comes out. It, it looks to be safe, but there's a nice just a, it's it's a pot shot. Yeah. It, it's just a hit and hope. He sticks his leg out and deflects a pass. Bill, who couldn't do really much of anything about that, and it's just. Uh, <laughs> It was I mean, just a, a, a five minutes of terror for Bill, uh, for Fred. At the, at the end of this one, I think I, I don't know how you feel getting a little distance from it, but it was about as negative as I've seen. And not even negative, not angry, just resigned as the fan base, the hardcores 
I, I mean, I'll say it. It is time for new coaching. It is time, for, frankly, no. It is time for a new yeah. soccer side of the organization at DC United. We need a restart um, from general manager on down yeah. uh, on the soccer side of the organization. And we need a project. We need a project. Uh, it, don't, don't, you know, I, I, I'm so beyond the apologists. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would ask you, I mean, I don't know where you're at, but like, I, I cannot look at Orlando and San Jose and these teams that have clearly better coaches yeah. and say that they have more talent than we do or that their organization is somehow better positioned to succeed. Right. I'm not comparing yeah. us to LAFC and Seattle and no. Like, that's not what I'm arguing. I'm arguing... That, that next level. Right. They're that next level that we're not even close to yet. But why we can't see that coaching matters in this league and we're unable to take that next step, unlike clubs who have far less talent and are overachieving, yeah. um, and we manage to underachieve, you know, consistently yeah. um, here in Washington. Yeah, it's it's been a tough decade. Let's put it that way, because you you look at what the first the first decade, absolutely brilliant. Couldn't ask for anything more in terms of success on the pitch. And then you look at the last ten years, and what have we got to show for it, apart from the U.S. Open Cup? One, but there's a difference if you. People did. You know, if you would ask me in 2017, you know, what do you feel about Ben? And my answer yeah. was, who are we going to hire? Like, did, nobody would take the DC United job in 2016, yeah. 17. It was a terrible job. You could not win in it. Yeah. Now we can hire really with the right pitch. We saw it with Wayne Rooney. Yeah. We could hire a world's worth of talent here. There's a good stadium in a global city. We have a second team. We have an academy base in Washington that produces talent in spite of itself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It really does. I mean, like, you yeah. know, we have players coming through without one of the top academies' setups. Um, yeah. You know, I can't imagine what we would do with Philadelphia's investment in Washington. Um, Pretty oh. much, you know, talent is there. They're here. The building blocks are here in Washington. This is a job worth taking for an ambitious individual, and I mean, I'd be I'd be on the phone tomorrow to Chris Henderson in Seattle and say, "Leave that assistant GM job and come take the G come take a GM." That's what I, you know. Like I'd be looking at you know players like that. I'd be trying to poach Freddie Juarez from. Real Salt Lake, a young, ambitious coach that really seems to have a good handle on things, you know, and be like, hey, come somewhere where you can actually have some resources. And it, I really think it's time for that. And I, I don't feel like this season is clearly not rash. Right? We've had this set up for, for too long. Yeah. We're not going anywhere. Uh, we, we need change. And it needs to be pretty complete change, I think. Yeah, and it, as tough as change can be, it's usually for the better. Well, in MLS, it's not. You're you're not 
36 months away. Mm. You're six months away. Yeah. In MLS, like, you you could very quickly make up the gap. There's so many ways to bring in new players. Um, and, and, and this cupboard isn't bare here. Like we're not dealing with, again, back where this isn't the 2017 team with old men and no talent underneath them. Yeah. Um, there's, there's players that have succeeded many places, right? Birnbaum yeah. is a quality starter. Right, Gressel is a very good player in MLS that has produced real numbers. Right, yeah. Flores is a player. If you look at his tier, right, of, against you know he's being brought in along guys with like like Zarian and and Alan Polito and guys that have succeeded in Mexico who yeah. already started to show that they can be very good here. He is a player that can contribute probably at a very high level. We need competent leadership to put them in positions to succeed. Yes, we need to get deeper. But the cupboard isn't bare here at all. There, there is a roster here with the right with right management, with the right tactics that could hit the upper echelons of the uh, conference. Yeah. But it's At the moment, it feels like we're putting square pegs in round holes. It's yeah. just not It's just not fitting. And I know we've spoke about what we've done on the football manager game but there definitely needs to be some kind of change and I don't know whether it's because Ben Olsen's been at the club for so long that they want to do any harm to his his status at the club but I think we can still have him at the club because I think as a man manager he's he's one of the better better people at it he and he, again it was something that I, I was listening to the uh, tried and true podcast he's never lost a dressing room he hasn't and, and and that's why he's Ben is not a terrible manager he's a mediocre manager <laughs> like like which is hard it's like a terrible yeah. manager is Anthony Hudson last year we called he just can those guys like yeah. they lose all their games like they're they're terrible everyone gets angry at them and it's you find that they're bad Right, it's Kurt. Kurt would have happened with Kurt Alfo before Ben. Like, like <laughs> we're having Kurt Alfo, frankly, multiple times in, in MLS. Yeah. But like, it, it goes downhill so quickly, and there's never any high points. Yeah. You know, Ben, because I mean, I, I don't like when people I read that like, they, he's a quote fraud. He's not a fraud. He's he's as real as you get, and and as a man, he's an excellent person. Yeah. Right. And. I will not like interview the name, but like, hey, one of you know the senior MLS analysts that you'd probably kind of like recognize, you know, once made the comment is like, yeah, and that's why he should be in a club ambassador role. Like he, he that's that's who he is. Is he is yeah. a man who lives and breathes this club. He loves the city. He's the guy that shows up at DC Scores events when nobody's looking, just because he believes in being there. Um, I, I don't want to read this. Like, is this the no, I don't. I mean, but also, I think he's an amazing individual. But results and being a head coach are not just about that. And yeah, it's time to you know don't fire him. Yeah, give him another role, play him a salary. Yeah. But yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's time for us to move on. I think from the overall soccer side leadership at DC United. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's. 
So you've spoken about general manager-wise. As head coach, who would you get in now? It's a, it, it, is a bit, it is a tricky one. I mean, I talked about, you know, general manager, yeah, yes. What I, the, first, the first thing I would do is, if I'm the owner, I don't hire the coach. If I'm Jason Lowe, let me in spot. I don't hire the coach. I hire a general manager. And the general manager hires the coach together in yeah. consultation, right? With the ownership, but but I, you know, make that pitch for for Chris Henderson in Seattle. And I say, come, you know, you've you've done great work, yeah. you know, working together with Loggerway. Like, come run your own franchise, build something here. Yeah. And then you mail, you know, you let them build from the ground up. They pick their system, right? They hire like the, the coach they want to bring in, and yeah. you don't dictate those things. Uh, that's the first move I'd make. But to insist that like we're going to have a style of play and we're going to um, commit to bringing in players that fit that system, we're going to commit to it over a series of multiple years, and we're going to use the other resources we have, Academy, Loudon, to build towards that vision and sell somebody quality on that. and. I think with an MLS quote general manager, somebody like why well, I think Henderson's a great candidate. I think mean, yeah. you, know, you could find others. Um, you can hire. I think it's very possible to hire a foreign coach who's maybe a you know good, very good tactician yeah. um, to work under somebody who knows the roster rules, right? And and yeah. can teach them about how we have to bring in players. And somebody who knows minute one that they have to be realistic about how you can bring in players here. But I think there's lots of coaches that could see the United States as a very interesting challenge because of that nature. That like they're not going to get beat just because the other team outspends them. That's yeah. not gonna happen here. They're gonna get to show how good a coach, how good a manager they are here. And we can make that sale. Um if I think we have the kind of infrastructure around Yeah. I mean, that, to me, that's how I would pitch it to someone about MLS in general is it is a level playing field. Grant, you've got your DPs who are obviously subject, uh, not subject to the salary cap. But you've got the fact that you've got that level playing field. You've still got the super draft, which I kind of enjoy seeing what happens with that, even though it seems to be telling off quite a bit now. But it's an exciting league. Anyone can beat anyone, as we've seen in this tournament. It's It truly is a, a league for managers to really test their metal and show that they're actually a really good manager, not just someone who sits behind a load of cash. Exactly. I don't want to argue with that. I would argue if he came to the club. He's an excellent man. But there's different there's different skills, right? And like in Europe, like there's different skills about how to manage a super club, which yeah. is a lot about ego management, right? Yeah. And there's how to manage a mid table club, and that's a lot more about tactics, right? And then there's how to manage a bottom table club, which is about how ugly can you make. But, I was like, but <laughs> MLS that doesn't have that. You don't have to make a choice based just on resources. The other arrow in our quiver, if we move now, we have is the World Cup in 2026 here. There are managers 
that would probably have the ambition of managing the United States at a home World Cup in 2026. And I bet if you <laughs> if you came in and said, hey, you can manage here for a few years and really put yourself and if you win, you could put yourself in that conversation, Roberto Martinez, or <laughs> like that would like, be that would be a like, good call. Huh? But the, a man who's worked in the United States, who knows yeah. the United States, who probably harbors ambitions of maybe coaching the U.S. national teams and sees himself in that role. Like yeah. there are managers of that type that normally you couldn't sign, but because of the World Cup and that spotlight and where it could put you, you could make that pitch. Yeah. Now, you can't two years from now, and you can't maybe four years in the past. Um, but I think there's again, there are other factors that point towards this to be a good a good time for change. Um, that you could attract interesting candidates from I think a variety of backgrounds. You've got. I think the big thing would be the fact that we've got probably because obviously we still don't know yet time. You've got time to get to know the squad. You've got time to put your stamp on this on the team and your style of play. That would be something else I would pitch towards a potential candidate to take over the club because this time that we've got at the moment is not like any other time that we'll hopefully ever have again. But yeah. it's and if there's a tough opportunity, I don't know. I don't even know how we're gonna get match fitness. Because the tournament obviously goes, still goes on for another couple of weeks. Then we don't know whether we're going to be able to play games again. So how this, do we get the match fitness? How do we then improve the style of play? But this, this is also an opportunity in the transfer market. Yeah. MLS clubs are backed by big money. This is not good for the business side. It will not kill them. It is going to kill clubs around the world. There are going to be quality players on discount this window and the next window because clubs have to raise cash. And the question is, do we at DC United, do we see it as an opportunity to really upgrade and come out stronger and make some, frankly, like would be capital investments or are we going to, you know, hunker down and turtle, you know, get in the little turtle shell and try to just endure it. Yeah. I, I'm not sure we are equipped for the first one, but it, I see that too. I think there's going to be a chance to, to get some good deals on players if you're willing to spend a little bit of money. Yeah. And I don't know whether... Did you see the, um, the uh, post-match uh, press conference with Ben Olsen after the Impact game? Yeah. <laughs> he was he was not, not real happy with Charlie Bain. Although I thought, I thought he asked... That, that, that was an absolute fine question. Thank you for you listening, Charlie, at any point. Yeah. I That was exactly the question I would ask. Yeah. Um, so I, it was completely fair. But yeah, he didn't like to hear it. No, he didn't. And I thought his <laughs> response was... I hate to say it, but petulant. It was yeah, a bit. He threw a bit of a strop. Yeah, he, he was angry. He was angry. He didn't he, he was. He was. He was angry about probably you know being knocked out. He was angry about yeah. how the whole tournament went down. He was angry about not having you know. I'm sure he felt like come July he was going to have players that were going to come in, and that was part of their discussion. Yeah, and that didn't happen, right? The transfer window got pushed back, and you know the craziness, but. Oh, point to another club. If we had what Colorado just went through, they did not advance, right? They struggled at times, but you know what? They scored some nice goals. 
They went out and tried to play. They they played their young players. Yeah. I'd feel much better about the position we were in moving forward than where we we're at, having done none of those things. Yeah. And I, I think he pointed out that he wanted to try and make a couple of signings as well. Yeah. So that's that's a good thing. Well, we know that there was that defend. There was the defender from Amiens, right? Um, yes. That we were having trouble getting in in the winter window because they were in a relegation battle. But now he's in a situation where you know that player is probably free to move. Um, there's there's plenty of players who are now out of contract because they didn't want to play in that extended period in a lot of European leagues. Now we can pick up on a free right now. Exactly. There's. <laughs> There's real opportunity right now, and I it it kills me that like if you get if you ask me, we're not ready to take advantage of no. it as a club. Um, and uh, this is a time to grow. It yeah. it really is. Like when do you you know when do you buy stock in the stock market when they're low? You know you exactly. know exactly like when things are bad. You buy at the bottom. You don't <laughs> buy at the, in the mid part of the top. And this is the bottom. Um, at least in the soccer transfer market of the last. Yeah. You know, multiple decades. Um, it's probably as low as it's been. Yeah, I mean, as as a feeling right now, do you feel it's worse than the position we were in and at the end of twenty thirteen? No. Uh, no. It is not good, but it is again. I think the the fundamental, the vitals of this club are good. Mm. We have our own stadium. It is yep. in the in the center of the city. We have a B team, you know, playing in USL in Loudon. We have you know an academy set up. We have, frankly, the business health of the club is much better than it you know has ever been. We had sponsorship dollars. That's another whole discussion with Bush leaving, which I'm kind of heartbroken about. Yeah, but we are in such a better position than we were in 2013 about the future. Those fundamentals are good. We're not taking advantage of the good fundamentals to turn them into a strong club yeah. yet. Yeah, it's it, it feels it still feels sore for me. I mean, I don't know whether that's just because I was up so flipping early. I think it's now starting to hit me the tightness. So I'm just being like, I mean, you know, it ended, it ended at 12, like 1240, you know, Eastern time. It wasn't exactly, <laughs> you know, when your daughter wakes you up at 6 a.m., uh, you know, it, it, it was, it was late. And, it was. um, it, yeah, it just, it just wanted, you know, like, I didn't even want to go on Twitter. It was like, just turn it off and go to bed. Yeah. Um, and apathy is, you know, apathy is worse. Again, about this, there's the problems with the on the field, but there's also problems with how what happens to the off the field because of the on the field. If you're not even pissing people off anymore, right? Yeah. And they're just turning off and they're saying this isn't worth watching. That's the bigger problem. This team isn't worth watching even when they win too much of the time. Yeah. And the big clubs in MLS, it's not just that LAFC and Atlanta and stuff in these years have won. They've looked good doing it. They've been exciting. Even when LAFC got upset by Seattle last year. Why do they inspire such devotion? Because they're pretty. And Bob Bradley is committed (laughs) to playing exciting soccer. Period. And 
win or lose. That's really, I think, it's in a two. And yeah. here, I don't know what we're committed to. No. I'm, as I said before, I would love to see us lose, but lose in style? If we got batted 4-0, but we showed a bit of fight and a bit of passion, we made it go a bit. We're, you can lose playing your system. Lose playing your system and playing it hard and learning it and yeah. building towards something. And so we, we go through, we go through the stats and we try to like, if I sit down and we, point again, if I watch a Peter Vermes managed match or if I watch a Caleb Porter pitch, and I don't think, yeah, I think very highly of Vermes, but I, don't, I actually don't think Porter's, you know, all that. But yeah. I know what I'm going to, I know that I'm going to be able to discern their system and I'm going to be able to pick out the movements that they're trying to do to open up the other team, whether they're or not they're successful. We can't do that in match breakdown with DC United. <laughs> there is it's, not, it's not there. And that is so bad. Um, like We're just so far from that era of give it to the ex-player and have them, Jason Christ, you know, Peter Vermes, yeah. Mike Petke, um, fight, 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 and motivate. Like it, it's not. We're the league's beyond that now. There's the, the talent coming in. It's not just better talent. It's more tactically sophisticated talent. And the you know the league has passed us by in that regard. Yeah. So I think we can both agree that we need big changes. Yeah. <laughs> and I say think, the least. And I think we'd agree that it, it probably should happen sooner than later. Yeah. And we 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 shouldn't sit back and say, well, like, well, are we even going to play a season? I think this is the time we could probably actually take advantage of this yeah. lull to make some changes properly yeah. um, instead of having to do it in a hurried fashion. And the the other side to that as well is if we do make these changes, people, if we if it doesn't work for the first six months or the, until the end of the year. You've got the mentality side of things. People will go, well, he's, he's a new manager. He's just trying to settle, set up his uh, style of play and thing, he'll then have a full preseason and then it'll start off in 2021. Yeah. The whole mentality changes. Well, patience, patience has never been a problem here, right? Oh, like, no, no. <laughs> patience has not been like, we, we haven't been firing managers every year and a half. No. Like that, that's not been the problem in, in Washington. I, I don't... The ownership has shown it is willing to give lots of time um, and be patient. So I don't worry about patience. Um, I worry about being not being decisive enough. Yeah. yeah. There's patience and then there's a lack of cutting edge. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Well, that has been a good, good chat about breaking down the MLS's back tournament from a DC United point of view. Um I think I think we'll leave it there for now. Right. I think we we both agree it we need the big change. We need it sooner rather than later. It was a a terrible tournament. There's no other way about it. No wins, two ties, goals that were lucky, no clear cut chance chances outplayed in every aspect and, and i think we agree is it what's a fair reflection of where this club is right now 
Yeah. I don't think it was a was unfair or, you know, it didn't flatter us, nor did it like, you know, I think it was a, it probably is what we really look like in the mirror. Yeah, it is. Um, as normal, uh, I'd like to end the show um, in the usual fashion. Um, so James, um, I know over on Twitter, you can be found at SE president, isn't it? That's, that's right. Correct. SE that's president. Right. Um, how is the screaming Eagles going at the moment? Obviously in this, weird time what things have you got going on man it's it, it's strange uh, you know we 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 worked really hard i spent a lot of time trying to get a drive-through setup matches for match viewing of course yes. um which you know circumstances conspired against us with these matches you know first two matches moving um yeah. and they were so they kept telling me we were going to do it for the knockouts and well there were no knockouts so that, <laughs> that was you know a little bit frustrating it's it's a tough it's a tough time Right, I mean, you, you don't get to come together and um, you know see people you you want to do. We're we're, we're working. You're involved with um, the I can't breathe painting on the on the field at Audi Field. Um, yeah. We're working on a project with several groups to um, paint some stadium uh, statements. You know, kind of against hate and for tolerance and inclusion on the steps of the supporter section we're working on right now um, wow. with the club, and hopefully we'll have some movement movement there soon on that but yep. um again trying to take advantage where we can of, of, of this time to yeah. um maybe make some bigger statements and you know uh you know, you know take advantage of sit, you know set that marker down for the long term yeah well I, I look forward to seeing that especially in in the supporters section um i just i just hope i can get back out there soon because I need to get back to DC. Well, but I said you come here. The problem is you can't get home. So that's it. Yeah, I can. Well, I can get home. Oh, you can get home. Like, yeah, we. I could come visit you. That's the yeah. I've, I've got a quarantine for two weeks. Yeah. When I come back, that that's that's the tricky state. Um, but yeah, hopefully we can get out there soon and uh, see you guys again because every time, well, both times that I've been, it's been a fantastic experience and absolutely loved it there's no no other way around it um so do go and follow james over on twitter at se president um and do follow screaming eagles because that's how you can keep up to date with all whatever they're doing um if you're not following me on twitter somehow um how would you get to this show i don't know um but head over onto twitter at dc united kingdom um there is the membership on there because we do have a little group going on uh, where we chat about all the all those games that we've just talked about um and hopefully some future games this year you never know we might be lucky just head over to dc united um the link is in the description um there's merch as you can see if you're watching on, on youtube i'll head over this way have a look at that you can get yourself some of that um and we're over on Facebook and Instagram at DC United Kingdom FC. And until the next time, if there is going to be another match this year, Vamos United. Vamos United. <laughs>